Unidentified vessel. Please submit your clearance codes. This is Justin. Force will be with you. This is Josh. Always. This is Kyle. And we are the Outer Rim Beacon. Ladies and gentlemen, you have now tuned in to the Outer Rim Beacon, your frequency for everything in that galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the show. My name is Justin. I'm one of your hosts. Joining me today, as always, are my co-hosts. This is Josh, and I, uh, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> He's got nothing. He's got, I got nothing. nothing. Uh, this is Kyle, and I love the preparation around here. Like always, we are just tight as a drum. <laughs> uh, we never miss a beat. I love that about what, what it. We what used all our efficiency said? on Sunday. That's true. There you go. Uh, what was it I said a couple weeks ago? It was a uh, first-rate audio, second-rate host. Yeah, that sounds something about like right. that. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're finally getting to it. We've I'm got third-rate. We've, we've got the crew together. Uh, we got the B crew and the C crew here. Um, yeah, we're finally going to get our Mando recap in um, with, as a whole, as a group, where we can kind of can get you, Kyle's opinions on it, get Josh's opinion on it. Um, if you want a solo opinion on it. I got 45 minutes of just me talking to a microphone that you can tune in and listen to if you really have no life whatsoever. <laughs> uh, this but one's we're gonna for you, Morph, is what I said. This one's for you, Morph. We're going to dive into this today. So um, first up, let's start with a little bit of news and notes. Um, we do have just some sad news to talk about right in the beginning because this literally just came through the wire uh, a couple hours ago. Uh, Ray Stevenson has passed away. At the age of 58, um, Ray Stevenson, you know, from Star Wars, he was Gar, as Kyle says, Saxon. Um, That's how Fen Rao, <laughs> Fen Rao says, says it. Um, Gar Saxon in the Clone Wars, and most recently, uh, Balon Skull in the Ahsoka series that doesn't come out. Well, now we know it's uh, next August. Yeah, or August. In August. 28th. Yeah. Four months. Um, he was also in King Arthur. He was the Punisher in Punisher Warzone. He's been in Thor, Vikings, Dexter. Um, probably his greatest role was in the other guys playing huh. a true villain a in that movie. movie. Yeah. Um, and a ton oh, of other Peacock, stuff. You gotta let me fly. <laughs> That's how I feel all the time being constrained by you guys. That scene in Star Wars where the Millennium Falcon is flying away from the explosion. It's totally unreal. <laughs> Um, but yes, uh, sad news. Ray Stevenson, uh, passed away at the age of 58. So, um, I actually, nice Punisher War Zone, I, I actually enjoyed his portrayal of the Punisher in that movie. The movie itself Is was the not the popsicle where he was pretending to torture the guy and he had a popsicle on him. No, no, no. That was, um, that was the Thomas Some other Jane Punisher movie. They've that made was, a bunch. Yeah, yeah, that was the Thomas <laughs> Jane version, um, where he's. Yeah. He teases him by the burning meat behind him, and he yeah, can smell yeah. it. And then he pokes him with the popsicle to to trick him. Yeah. Um, but Punisher Warzone was uh, he was good. The movie itself was not written that well. So um, I think it was Volstag and Thor, um, smaller role, but um, you know he was in I think all of them, including in the MCU, baby, except the most recent one. Uh, I think he got killed in um, Thor Ragnarok. I think is where Volstag was killed. So. Um, be interesting to see how they 
what happens to his character, I guess, in season one of Ahsoka. Um, hopefully they, uh, I don't know. I mean, we don't really know much about the character and who he is and what he does. So we'll see yeah, how we'll that impacts the show. Bit. Yep. Uh, and then kind of at the top of the hour, Josh was just kind of teasing about efficiency on Sunday. Kyle and Josh, do you want to give us a little rundown of how you spent your weekend and what you guys did? Well, Kyle, you kind of, um, you had a whole weekend. Do you want to talk? I don't remember what you did on Friday, though. Uh, I went to a tattoo convention on Friday, which is not super relevant to this, but I did <laughs> hang out with Justin and his wife for a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and daughter, I suppose. Um, and then went up to Detroit to meet Josh, and we went to Motor City Comic Con, and there was, well, the whole Star Wars clone wars trio was there of course i've got ashley's autograph multiple times but i got matt and james to sign my clone wars art print that now has a pretty good collection on it i'm getting like i have more than half the characters on there already complete i would say probably way more um and we had a photo op with christopher lloyd all three of us look amazing in it um you what do you got, Josh? Two things. I don't appreciate how you completely glossed over that you went and saw my band play on Saturday, but that's cool. Ooh. Oh, um, sorry. Must not have been memorable. <laughs> that's fine. Um, we did play a Van Halen cover, so Justin, too bad you missed that. Oh, no, man. I'm kidding. Yeah. kidding. Um, I, re- I recorded it with my uh, portable audio equipment, though, so I've got the, uh-huh, the underground mixtape. Yeah. Got the bootleg copy. Um, but another fun, exciting thing that happened was realizing while we're in line that James Arnold Taylor also does Plo Koon. So you get, were mm. able to get two characters covered, which That's is right. cool. And they happen to be right next to each other on the um, on the art print. So he went right in between them, wrote both names, worked out really well. I think I knew that at one point and then I forgot. But yeah, that was a really nice turn of events. So, I have to post a picture yeah. of this. I, I haven't I'll I haven't take... seen it like since you originally bought it, and at the time I think it, when we were in um, that I was had in um, Ashley Anaheim, signed right? it that weekend. No, Chicago. It was in Chicago. Yeah, and I think it had like the one signature on it. So I haven't yeah, seen it Ashley since then. Um, you might have to post a picture of that one so I can see it. Um, but yeah, yeah that. that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. How many more you got a you got a score? Um, I think Palpatine slash um, uh, well. I needed Yoda, and unfortunately, that's probably not really going to happen. He's not, um, you know, doing autograph signings and stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I guess Palpatine is probably um, the big one that I still need to get. Um, I don't have Mace Windu, um, and then I don't have any of the bounty hunters, and that's really Dooku. And then I think that's about it. I've got pretty much everybody else. Um, I made a mistake. I think I was so excited because that Hondo figure finally came out that I got that signed by Jim Cummings. And I should have uh, the voice of Hondo Anaka, if you're not in the know. Uh, I should have had him sign my print. Uh, But he's pretty affordable compared to a lot of the other people. Um, Looking at you, Anthony Daniels, I've had signed that thing. So... (laughs) No big deal to get him again. He kind of does the the rounds. Yeah, as I say, he gotcha. was at Motor City last year. Yeah, so. I've seen him in Lexington a couple times. He's been to Cincinnati before, so he's he's not impossible to to run into. 
Nice. Good. They talk about people who have been in a million things. This is like not relevant to anything, but we're talking about Jim Cummings. You should look him up sometime. He's, if you grew up in the eighties or nineties, he was the voice of someone on everything you watched that was animated. (laughs) Yeah. I almost guarantee it. Oh yeah. Uh, well, sounds like you guys were, had a pretty good weekend at the con then. It was good. good. And we knocked it out fast. I guess we've been to a lot of these things and you see a lot of the same vendors at some of them. So it's like, Oh, what's their new stuff? And we're moving on. Uh, we got through the whole thing in, you know, an afternoon. Nice. Uh, yeah, that was actually kind of surprising news that dropped um, late last week. Uh, Sideshow is not going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. They're doing like a online virtual thing. I'm not either now, actually. Uh, I mean, I won't be there either, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was just kind of surprising. Um, yeah, that's what everybody said. It seems odd. They did release a statement basically saying, you know, now they have like their own studio. They can set up displays, move stuff around quicker uh in their own venue and do production and make it available online to basically it's everybody not, just versus, not worth them to show up to cater yeah. to a few thousand people yeah um because they're only getting you know they can do online content there but it's not quite the same you don't get quite the good looks that you get in their own studio um so they basically when they don't said, really have product on hand that you can buy like exclusives at the show or anything not that yep. anyone does really anymore no hasbro get a life <laughs> uh we should have an announcement on that though soon the uh has lab announcement will be taking place during san diego comic-con that weekend i don't know what day hasbro is doing their panel but um i'm assuming it's coming then um and we'll get an announcement yeah, of what it is i think i'm ready to be heard again i can't wait to hear it <laughs> you say ready to be heard again yeah you think it's you think I'm it's so gonna ready be to be disappointed uh yeah. something that Nobody wants, maybe? I don't know. It's just not going to be as cool as the Proton Pack or like the G.I. Joe stuff they put out. I, I've just not been... The Razor Crest was cool, I guess. I just I haven't been super impressed by them. I think there's so much out there they could do, and some of the other ones have been so much cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, what about I gotta give the it, Ghost? Could I'm, be dope. I'm, it all depends on like the, the stretch goals, I think. Right, yeah. Justin? Agreed. Um, and I, I gotta say, if it's, don't get me wrong, if they roll a ghost out there, I'm probably still getting the ghost, but no lights and sounds in this day and age is, it's weak. A, it's weak because Jazzwares is sticking lights and sound on this tiny little ad at vehicle for, it's I don't know if you guys have seen the, the micro galaxy stuff, but, um, yeah. I mean, I know you oh, guys have, so but the cool. listeners, they look very, very cool. They're great great detail in them they're putting lights and sound in something that small and we can't stick lights and sound in vintage collection vehicles anymore um and the ghost is just the blasters on it are just mm-hmm. instantly recognizable in your head uh when it jumps to uh when it jumps to lights like all of that stuff is instantly audible recognition and to not have those sound effects with it at the uh, price I think point is a miss is a miss yeah that's a miss you know um, the the twenty five like thirty dollar like snap like simple snap together ship models that they ha- that you can buy like, the like Bondi ones or whatever not it not even the Bondi ones the cheaper ones than the the cheaper less complicated ones than the Bondi ones the ones that you buy when you're not really into models but you're into like whatever the thing is you know mm-hmm. like I like X wings okay. but I don't really care about putting a model together the simplest version they yeah. all mm-hmm. have 
they all have lights and sounds in them. I think I have a little Millennium Falcon for a couple bucks. Those. those things are for cheap thirty bucks. Too. Yeah. yeah, it plays like three different sounds, and that's all it plays. Yeah, but at least it does something, something, and it has lights on the back. Yeah, um, and you get a little activity out of it. Yeah, I mean the stretch goals are really the key, but it makes a big difference. Yeah, it does because like um, the stretch goals for the Rancor, give me a break. Was, those were terrible. Here, we're not to mention that was like not an awesome backdrop. base thing, but. Yeah, Ugh. a cardboard, cardboard backdrop. Get a life, Hasbro. <laughs> Plastic rocks and bones. Yeah. They're getting no quarter from me, Hasbro. They're on. I can three D print that. Yeah. Um. No, thank you. So we'll see. We'll see what it is. But that's that's the hope. I don't know what else they would do unless they rehash we'll a Death Star playset and roll something out. That's you know an old school vintage thing. But I don't know. We'll I don't see. know. I haven't thought of anything either, so I guess like who am I to complain about their ideas? But like, I don't know. Like, what about a spinning inquisitor lightsaber or something? That'd be weird. <laughs> they did they did put the was it the Reva lightsaber out there? And it, yeah, didn't, it didn't do spin. anything though. No, it doesn't like do a double sided lightsaber that just sat there. Yeah. Yep. Um so we'll see. We'll since see. we're since we're complaining about stuff right now, can I complain about yeah, something? Yeah, do it. Do <laughs> okay. it. So I'm currently in the middle of a of one of the newer High Republic books. I won't okay. say which one uh, to protect the the those involved. But man, can we have someone make sure that they're pronouncing Star Wars words right in the audiobook? Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. What was mispronounced? Not a lot of quality control there. Uh, Duros... Duros <laughs> instead of Duros. Duros. Um, Natalin instead of Nautilin. Nautilin, that's rough. Ooh. It's a character that they talk about a lot too. So it wasn't just like a one off. If I'm listening to that and not reading it, I wouldn't even maybe know what they're talking about, you know, unless they're like going into a good detailed description of what he looks like because that doesn't even sound like Nautilin to me. Hmm. Yeah, no, I was like, I was literally like, what? That's got to be something. She's saying it wrong. Oh, terrible. There was another one, and I can't remember. But I was just like, man, you have mispronounced like three or four Star Wars words, and I'm only like halfway through the book. Um, I'm just like, that's just bad quality control. I don't know. That's not good. Mm. I don't like it. I'm only still on the first one, so I have catching up to do. So Same. I guess that's probably one of the disadvantages to listening to the audiobooks is if they screw up the word, they're going to screw it up through probably the over whole thing. and over and over. <laughs> yep. 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 So, well, and some of us, well, not anymore because I'm so, uh, the, I'm so immersed in it, but man, back in the day, you would like that's the kind of thing that you would count on. I can't tell you for how long I, until episode one came out, I was saying Coruscant. <laughs> yeah, because you had another, no other frame of reference. Yeah, I was just reading it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Well, let's um, let's dive into this here because we've been we've been sitting on this for a couple weeks. This now. brand new episode that just came out. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, it's uh, episode eight of the Mandalorian season finale, season three finale, uh, the return. 
Director was Rick uh, Famuyiwa, writer John Favreau. Cast basically everyone that's been in Mando, minus the special guest appearances throughout the season. Um, what about what about Gecko? Was he in it? He was not. Um, sadly, he was not. Um, but basically, we had the continuation of where we were in Episode Seven with the Mandos kind of um, under siege. Uh, they were. Um, it was an ambush, right, in their yeah, own Din home world. Din had just gotten captured. Mm-hmm. Din had just been captured by four, four. Uh, what are we? Imperial super commandos or whatever, mm-hmm. Beskar super commandos, whatever we want to call them. Uh, and Moff Gideon is, you know, giving him the biz about, I got you now. Um, and Bo I that's and the, exactly what he said. Yeah, I got you now. <laughs> I got you now. Exact words uh, verbatim. Um, yeah, and he sent all those uh, Tie Fighters up to get the still in space Mandos too. Yep, yep. He thought he had um, it all figured out. This guy. Yes. So this was the continuation of that. Um, I'm. I so I, I kind of went through all of this stuff. Uh, on my own, but uh, I'm interested to get your guys' take on all of this, this whole episode, this season finale, this whole thing. Go ahead, Kyle. Can I give like a pretty high level opinion on the last two episodes together? Like, uh, I felt, and I guess maybe this is just the conclusion of one like multi season story arc and we're moving on to another thing, but the penultimate episode, episode seven, felt a lot more like a season finale to me uh, than episode eight, um, which ended uh, like kind of wrapped things up. There felt like was a series nothing. finale. Yeah. It felt like we're just kind of riding off into the sunset. They're going to rebuild Mandalore and Din and Grogu are going to go, uh, you know, on their adventures and keep just moving along. And, and there it is. But, um, I don't know. I guess we it, it that's another form of I guess anticipation for next season is where do they go from here but mm-hmm. uh you know the the second to last season or episode where there was a character death we had our main character was captured we you know all these things and cliffhangers it felt like the first two season finales and not so much um I, I didn't hate the episode in and of itself, but mm-hmm. it didn't give me anything like specific to look forward to for season four. The episode Josh, was you... so, the episode was solid. The ending was just yeah. like took this wind out of my sails. It was like uh, too clean, too yeah. One what so for what first season uh, we had what was the end of fir- the first season? Oh, the 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 dark saber, the uh, Moff mm-hmm. Gideon popping yeah, out with the dark saber. The so mm-hmm. boom! Oh my god, the dark saber! I'm excited for next season. Um, this you know Luke taking Grogu second season, mm-hmm. and this one it's like oh everything's great. And yeah, the all, dark saber and, and Luke they, Skywalker. All they would have had to do, literally, all they would have had to do for me to not think that post credit or end end scene over Thrawn's shoulder looking out a viewport or something and that's it you don't even just enough that you can mm-hmm. tell it's him because mm-hmm. of the skin right like yeah kind of like kind of like the shot Ahsoka. the shot that we got for the Ahsoka trailer the that we used to mm-hmm. see him from behind like that would have been perfect just something to show you something is happening but the closest for there to thing be nothing? they did 
was that dive down in the water to show the mythosaur, but they kind of already did that once. They just reminded us that he's still down there and it still opened its eye up again. Um, Grogu, but then they like, kind of moved on it. and we had a whole other scene with, with Din and Grogu and, and, um, grief Karga at the end there. So it wasn't even like the end, like, Oh, is he about to pop up now? And we're going to get right into this. It was just like, Oh, and here's another thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, like I said, I wasn't disappointed in the episode, but it didn't, it didn't feel like the first two season finales. That's for sure. There was no big reveal or real cliffhanger. And I think I echoed the same same sentiment that you guys do with, you know, Seven was was mm-hmm. uh, a season we finale. All, we all know Justin loves it when it, a main character dies, or even a main-ish character. So um, I knew that was going to be right up your alley. Eight, eight was just too clean. It, it was okay. like, there's no suspense. I mean, they did destroy the Darksaber, I guess, but... Very right. true. Um, interesting. I mean, I thought Eight asked it, it was raised kind of a, a lot more questions thing too yeah it raised a lot more questions than it did anything else like okay wait so he's been you know gideon's been trying to hunt down this dark saber and get the dark saber he had the dark saber he lost it clearly wants it back to a certain degree but then gets in a fight with bow with it and just grabs it and crushes it and well, like he it thought was he like had paper. it all figured out at that time. He thought he he was taking out all the Mandos that were up in space. He was about to kill her and essentially wipe most of them off of the universe. So mm-hmm. I think he thought it was done. I think he only ever wanted the dark saber as like a means of control or uh, keeping these scattered Mandalorians under his kind thumb. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like he didn't want it because he felt any like personal connection to it the way the Mandalorians do, in my opinion. Right. It was like um, a spoils thing, a spoils of war type thing. And it kind of bogged my mind that he can just crush it like that. When it, you know, you have to have this forge to form Beskar to begin with, because it's the toughest metal out there. Um, you know, it has to be forged in this specific kind of fire with the living water. And yeah, they were really you can going, make it, breaking and their just, back to show you how strong his suit was. Yeah. yeah, but then there's a scene earlier, like when he first gets in the fight with Din in episode eight, he literally grabs Din's hand in his, you know, his robot mech suit, right? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't crush it. He just grabs it and then punches Mando. But with Bo, he grabs the her hand with the Darksaber and crushes it. I'm like, well, why didn't you do that with Din? and crush his hand and really put the hurt on him and make him suffer. But, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think probably just in uh, over analyzing the cool, Well, I think they were kind of inconsistent and, with, I, I, and I, I know a lot of maybe fandoms wouldn't nitpick this the way that star Wars fans do, but they were kind of inconsistent with how the lightsabers and the suits and the, like, energy weapons that he and the Praetorian guards were using really worked and how they worked against each other and their level of power. It all seemed kind of relative to the situation more than it was consistent. Um, you know, why was, why was, uh, Bo not able to really do anything against 
Gideon with a lightsaber. She got in plenty of very good shots and it did nothing. Um, right. But then the episode before the Praetorian guards like made very quick work of Paz Vizsla with those not lightsaber energy weapons that went right through his best arm were able. So I don't, you well, know, and even, then they, they were not affecting Mando the same way in this episode. Uh, it just didn't seem maybe there's some technical like minor difference to what they were doing. I don't really know, but it mm-hmm. looked inconsistent to me. Well, I think I posed that question to you guys in our, our group chat was that there was a scene earlier where Bo literally stabs through one of the when they're flying around in the jetpacks fighting, she stabs mm-hmm. straight through the, the back of one of the the super troopers. And I'm like, well, aren't they wearing Beskar? Isn't that supposed to deflect the lightsaber or potentially keep it from doing that? And she just like stabbed through it like a knife with hot butter and then moves on. But to your point with Gideon doesn't get in any shots, doesn't really do much to him without that. So I think my question was, are they wearing like some kind of watered down Beskarver? Like they've thinned it out and for these guys or what? Two thoughts on that. So I think that it, it could all, it could possibly be um, that they had cheaper armor than Gideon. Well, we know that they weren't mechanized, right? So Correct. like we didn't hear any of the whirring, but the other thing that I noticed and it, is it like Beskar is good for glancing indirect blows, but not stabbing? Because I, that's, that's the other. That's what I thought. Well, because she was, well, one, there was a lot of force when she stabbed, you know, mm-hmm. she's riding her jet mm-hmm. back. But like, if you remember, the Praetorian guards also had to like s- deliberately like stab. Um, press into press it. Press in yeah. for, yeah. on, on paths too. So. Very true. That I could feel be. like that. I feel like that was the thing um, with uh, that's been the thing with like the diff- the couple different Star Wars medals that are like lightsaber resistant is that they're that's mm-hmm. what they're good with is it's like like indirect blows are fine, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I will say right, while we're be. talking about it, that whole scene where the mob of um mandos come flying in on their jetpacks led by bo katan wielding the dark saber and they fly right into the um the mandos or not the mandos the um imperial commandos in the beskar uh that was really awesome i loved it mm-hmm. it looked yeah. just like um i don't know some like old war movie where the like braveheart or something where mm-hmm. they just where they run just at clash. each other and it turns into that big mass um it was really cool. It was well choreographed. It was fun to watch. The armorer was just wrecking people. She was oh, like literally jumping to wail commando to commando, just wailing hammer. on people. She didn't even bring a gun. She's just like, nope. She never has. I've never seen her nope. use anything other than, and, and like the clamp, like that can't even be that useful all the time. The hammer I get, but the clamp, that's just kind of right. Let me, hit, um, let me hit you with yeah. a clamp and see how you feel. <laughs> yeah. <I guess. laughs> Especially one that, that's like 18 I'd just dual wield hammers if it was me. I don't know. Right. Or something stabby. Um, yeah, I thought all the fight scenes were choreographed really, really well. Um, it was interesting too, like when you when Din goes after Grogu, right? He gets separated, and the the Praetorian guards go chasing after Grogu. When they get into the fight scene with the two of them against those three, he starts to shoot and stab in areas where there's no armor. 
Um, so like in one scene, he like shoots the foot and then shoots up underneath the helmet here to kill one of them. And then I think he stabs one kind of like behind, uh, like the neck behind the helmet there. So he starts going for the weak points, uh, when they got into like close quarters combat. Um, all he had was those knives at that time mm -hmm. too, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, the, in the, again, to your point, the scene in the hallway, right with the, the ray shields, and there, there's two guards behind every one, and he's telling R5, okay, open the next shield, open the next shield. Uh, Fully trusting droids, even telling him good job and calling <laughs> him buddy. He's come yep. so far. Um, but he was wrecking people there, and, it, you know, again, I don't understand the... So you have a walkway with an open pit underneath it. Yeah, what was none, that area? None of your guards have a jet pack, but they all have shields. Okay. So if they get knocked off, there, they don't do any good <laughs> anymore. Um, I, I didn't understand that. I was kind of confused. Like, wait, these are the only commandos that you don't give a jetpack for? And they're standing by an open pit. Okay. Sure. I have other things I'm confused about. Go ahead. I fell in the pit. Yeah, <laughs> the pit. We're trying really hard. Opportunity to get number two, Kyle. Oh, Opportunity oh, number two. Uh, what, um, <laughs> why is he Din Grogu? No one had, that's not, it, we don't do Eastern naming conventions in Mandalore. <laughs> like there's precedent for them having family last names. Yeah, what? there is. So the one way that they can explain this was Din Jaren, his name prior to being found linked rescued so maybe wherever he's from has a you know mm. eastern uh naming convention he's never asked anybody to call him jarin though <laughs> has anyone I, called him din? I, i'm jarin i believe so has uh, he not been called din um i don't know or has it only ever been by both names I mean, the armorer uses both names, I think, but she doesn't say, hey, Din, what's up? She's always called him Din Djarin, I believe. Well, she's overly formal and has a specific well, yes. manner of speech. I, I don't I know. Thought maybe, well, I, I don't know. That would be weird to me. I think Jarn is a very stupid first name, if that's the case. And I know that, like, we, I'm sorry, it's a silly first name. It doesn't even sound like one. Um... And we have the Kree's family, the Vizlas, the, you know, the Wrens. Like, we know that's just how it works. Doesn't make sense to so me. So, would they be Clan Din? Good God. I don't I hope not. <laughs> I mean, Clan Jaren <laughs> is not much better, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. The naming convention, you're right, was weird. Um, and apparently well, I, you can take someone as your foundling and be like, nope, definitely not adopting you. <laughs> That's kind of messed up, isn't yeah, it? I thought that was weird. I was like, oh, he's wait, he hasn't already adopted him? Now you're him? adopting him? Oh, like, I thought that's what taking him in as a foundling was. <laughs> but it was almost like, oh, well, he can't be an apprentice, so I'm just going to go ahead and adopt him now. Well, wait, what? I'm... I mean, it yeah. was nice. Like, I guess it's a nice sentiment. Like, now he's my son, not just my whatever apprentice. But, like, isn't that kind of semantical? And, like, I, I don't know. That was all yeah. a little... I don't like that they're using the word apprentice. I feel like they should have a different word for their 
initiates. Yeah, why wasn't it just foundling? And I think ward, I've heard like, them, yeah. use ward maybe or like foundling to ward to uh, trainee anything. But why are we calling them right. the exact same thing that the Jedi call them? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I was confused how. Okay, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong. All the Mandos went through the hole that Bo Katan cut in the wall and ran out there, right? Including Grogu in Mex- Krang in his mm-hmm. mech suit went through that hole too, right? How did he get separated from the rest of the group and comes in to save Mando when he's only camera. being escorted just, by two, two? Yeah, like like he was at being escorted by two commandos instead of the four it took to actually catch him so now we're only going to put two guys on him and then he comes in and saves him at the end and i'm like how did he get separated from the rest of the group i was he's, i don't know I was he snuck off he's a sneaky snake i mean yes, he and he flexed his force muscle in this uh in uh in this episode like we he's shown that he's not just dabbling in the force he's got some legit skills um, and maybe that's why he separated or ran off a different way was because he was like, oh, hey, Din is this way. I'm going to go over here and could feel him. But we didn't really get. I think you meant to of- say Jaren is this way. So- <laughs> oh, God, I hope that's not a thing. <laughs> Jaren-, Jaren is in this hallway. I should go this way um, and channeled his force ability to find the Mando or Din Jaren. Um, I can't, I can't call him just one. It's just weird. Um, but yeah, he just, it, it like that part was a little odd. We, I mean, don't get me wrong. We didn't get an explanation, but and we don't necessarily need an explanation for everything, but it was just kind of like a gap, like a plot gap. Like, wait, all of a sudden he's here, but not with the group. Um, I, I was curious what happened with the fleet of ties and bombers that went up and took out the cruiser. Like, they never came back. They just bolted, or what happened to them? Like they he just took left. out quite a few of them. Uh, axed it as he was like making his last stand in the star destroyer there. But yeah, I don't. They so we sure just assume they like everybody took everybody out in this big space battle. And no, surely not. But I don't know. They definitely did not explain what happened to Mm-mm. any of the other ships he didn't shoot down you know yeah um so what did you guys think of the whole cloning thing with moff gideon here what um you know it's it's been three seasons of this right where he's been chasing after grogu and the kid and we suspected cloning was something he was up to um you know, he kind of misled the Shadow Council saying, hey, cloning's not my thing, man. That's your gig out there with the First Order. That's not what I'm doing. Cloning's um, not my bag, baby. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, in season one and two, he was kind of obsessed with the kid, but now he was pretty much able to finish his research without him. Um, You know, now in season three, like, the kid's right there, and he's less concerned about the kid more concerned about dark saber bow well i think at this point he's kind of already achieved everything he had his clones cooking he He had his they were fully grown man he felt he felt like he already had all that he didn't need grogu anymore right like he already had all that stuff lined up ready to go um 
But get some full-grown mang mang clones. Turns out, mang. Yep. He, he was he was thwarted. <laughs> thwarted. That uh, self did seem like self destruct sequence uh, was real easy to key in. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have to work too hard for that. <laughs> um, I mean, you you probably could have just poked a hole in the tank too and just let the water out. But yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the end end of the cloning stuff or not, but between we just had one kind of offshoot episode where we wiped um, Pershing's brain and now we um, sent a couple clones down the tube. I feel like that's kind of a a lame ending to Mm -hmm. what was like a main, like uh, a key component to these first three uh seasons like the the whole impetus for him searching for grogu in the first place was because he was being used as the whatever base for for the genetic material for these clones and now Mm -hmm. you know we're gonna mind wipe the doctor and we're gonna get rid of these two clones and now it's all done it just seems like kind of a a fizzle out Mm -hmm. i think that uh moff gideon is going to return whether either a clone of him that is in a chamber somewhere we didn't see or that the one that died is a clone. Mm. That's okay. that was my question. That was going to be my question is do you think that the Gideon in the Super Commando Mando armor was the real Gideon because he clearly does not have a mustache and the clones in the jars did not have a mustache. But we know in season one and two, Moff Gideon has a mustache. Uh, good question. You know, Palpatine and Lord Voldemort would both tell us if you're making clones or clone-like things of yourself, you should spread them out. So true. Yeah, would stand a reason. Um, that was that was a big question I had too. Is I don't know that that's the last we see of Moff Gideon, but is this one of those cases where we've taken a villain? We or a character, right? We put them on the back burner, we hide them for a little while, and we break them out later on in some other TV show, movie, book, something like that. He's not really dead, right? We didn't, I mean, he technically just got engulfed in flame. We didn't really see a body. Be hard for, for you to sell that he survived that to me, but you know, Darth Maul survived being bisected and, and, we all know Palpatine somehow came back. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, that's what, um, that was my curious thing about Gideon was whether or not he was. Did Axe Wove ever jump out of the Star Destroyer as he was crashing it into, yes. he did, yes. he did make yeah. it in a last minute escape. I couldn't remember that. He did. Um, yep. I, I, I kind of like that they buried the dark saber, that would be a really cool plot point to come back to like way later, maybe not even in this season or this series, but, but to have someone dig that up later and, you know, kind of reforge it from that original Kyber crystal could be a really cool mm-hmm. plot point down the line. Yeah. Josh, do you have something? I was just going to say, I think the, cl- I feel like the cloning stuff with Gideon feels like a waste if they don't use it. Yeah, I so mean, that's why I feel like to there's got to be a clone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and we saw the one in the tube wake up, like his eyes opened, so we yeah, know he was ready to go. That they were ready to go. Yet. Yep. Um. So I have all right. So I have a dumb 
question here, and maybe I'm missing something. But no, no dumb questions, only dumb people. <laughs> uh oh. So, all right. So, Axe Woves. Let's talk about Axe Woves since you brought him up for a minute. The nope. dude goes. All right, I can get away. Goes through the little crevasse in the ceiling, right, and literally flies a jetpack through the thunderstorm, right? Whatever that that giant thunder cloud cover is explain that but the through the atmosphere and into space onto the cruiser and i'm i'm just sitting here thinking going do we not have like these heat barriers that you know are, are thousands of degrees like we have here on earth that insulate our planet and how come he didn't just burn up? And well, that's a upper, that's a speed. He was, he was upper atmosphere too. I think. I think the the ships like were the in ship? upper. The ships were in upper atmosphere. Okay. I think they were in in atmosphere. Okay, and, and I'm a like speed how? thing of reentry. That's not just like the temperature. Oh, that could up be there. That could be you know. Um, that, and then how? And then how does he? Um, how do we have enough jet fuel, jetpack fuel to go? You know, they were doing all this flying around. They flew down there. Right, they're walking around. They get into there. They have this melee melee with uh, with uh, the super commandos. Right, and then he flies out. He has enough jetpack fuel to fly all the way up to the star destroyer. But yet, in the previous episode, we didn't have enough jetpack fuel to chase after the pterodactyl for a couple miles. Well, they refueled since then. I've- <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I was just like, how can we not, like, how far away was this pterodactyl dragging these people that you couldn't follow him um, on this planet? But I, it's, it's like some little inconsistencies like that that kind of get to you. And I'm just like, maybe I'm overthinking this, but I don't know. Um, I, I, I totally thought, though, because remember in the previous episode, it was called Spies. And I totally thought when he was flying back up to the ship and he basically tells them all, get off the ship. I'll handle it, right? I thought that was like a misdirection and he was like working for Gideon or something. Yeah. Turns out he was doing the right thing. Um, but I thought that's a prime opportunity for him to be like, hey, I'm I'm the spy that was yeah, everybody basically was given speculating the intel. about that spy and we never we didn't really get another spy. Uh no. I I don't this might be insane and I could be completely wrong. But I feel like John Favreau is just a little looser with the details uh, than a lot of people have been in Star Wars. Like he's gonna do what's best to make it look good or make it fun to watch or whatever. So like some of these things, like jetpack fuel and what can a lightsaber cut through and not cut through? And like, rather than being really specific with how it works, he's just like, what needs to happen right now? And like, kind of goes cool. with that, which is like, that's t- a completely a hundred percent a way to do it. I think mm-hmm. that's just like, not exactly the way like Dave traditionally would do it. Um, right. or, or something like that, you know, I, pa- I, and Pablo I could be, would be- off on that but that's just kind of the feeling i, well, get. I think that's that's why it's probably good that they have the two of them working together because dave's your lore guy mm-hmm. and dave can also figure out ways to explain away instead of saying john we can't do this jetpack thing because of this he can say oh well that dragon carried them 100 miles away and that's why mm-hmm. you know or whatever um i don't know so or the the stabbing thing, or the you know, 
Mm-hmm. I don't um, I did cover a little bit of the um the numbers the the views uh in the episode that I I did, but we just got the Nielsen ratings uh this week for season three. Those are just like numbers. I don't even know what they really mean <laughs> usually. Um, it's just it's mostly just who's watching and the the volume. Well, yeah, but like, watching. isn't it just like a number out of ten or something? Yeah, it's it's not as big a scale as most people think, and it's literally, I, as from what I understand, it's those that have a box and the actual. I think there's an actually like a yeah, Nielsen it's box. auditing like a specific Correct. number. Yeah, it's kind of a um, weird thing. The finale for this season was one point zero one two million, which is it's really good. That's a lot of viewers. Um, season two finale was one point three three six million. Um, so this one was down. 14.3 percent um you know it could be a number of contributing factors to that um definitely mando centric and maybe more people just tune in to watch din and grogu um and we're I think kind of some of that not into that but just standard television too like sh- no be- show grows in popularity until it ends it always peaks and drops off that's right. just how it is i think a lot of it for this season as a whole like don't get me wrong i love the mando stuff because you know we've watched it we've we've seen it over clone wars rebels um you you hear about it in in a new hope um but you're you know you're you're looking at it and going well okay what's you know for the casual viewer i think the challenge is that um it it was a lot of mando centric stuff and for the casual viewer that's just turning this on that wants to watch it for Din and Grogu, they're like, what the hell is all this Mando stuff? And they don't know all of the history and the tie-ins and things like that. And I think that might have been a miss a little bit. Um, I know like my parents watch, they watch Mando, but they have no idea anything about Mandalorian lore, any of the stuff with the Darksaber prior to this, none of that. Um, so they were a little confused. But Yeah, I have a couple friends like that too. And... Uh, it's not that they can all follow the story. Like everybody understands what's going yeah. on, you know, but it just doesn't, it doesn't have that much weight to them because they don't, you know, they haven't sat on it for eight or nine years. They <laughs> haven't like assumed we were never going to get to know about that stuff and all these things that, you know, just mm-hmm. adds to the appeal or the yeah. payoff or whatever. Yep. So I think, I think it was, um, a big risk uh, on John and Dave's part to kind of go that story route. I enjoy the story route that they took, but it is a big risk because to that point, you do lose a little bit of the casual viewer. Um, but I think it was done well as far as how they told it. Um, where do you guys? Um, well, speaking of Mandos, though, how long? Uh, how long do you think before? mandos start infighting again or do we think that the matter is now resolved that the dark saber is no more i can't believe that we're we're we all just retook the planet and we're regrowing crops that we didn't even think were capable of growing outside the dome cities and uh we've kind of come to this understanding about what it means to be a mandalorian and we're about to resurrect the mythosaur that we thought was like a mythical beast like it's, it even is named mythosaur i mean it's right there in the name that it's not even real um i can't imagine all that is happening and also we're just going to blow it all up right away uh, you'd have to think there'd be some mm-hmm. 
level of Mandalorians thriving um, yeah. and learning from their mistakes. Rebuilding. Yeah. Um, where do we go with uh, Din Djarin and Din Grogu now? Gross. I yes, hate I, that. Called him. I don't ever want it to be a thing. <laughs> Just said it. Yes, I called him Din Grogu. Josh, where do you think, uh, what's the direction here? Where do we jump in in season four with our two protagonists? Well, I think they're, they're going to do what they said they're going to do. And I think we're getting the rework of the Rangers of the Ro- Lost Republic a little bit here with him doing, he's going to be doing bounty jobs for, um, you know, the New Republic. And I think oh, that's yeah, what how, is his name? Huh? He's yeah, what is, what is that? What is it? Uh, um, the pilot's name. I know who you're talking about. Who works yeah. Unnamed yeah, pilot's remember. brother for. <laughs> no. no, he has a name. He has a oh, name. He's been a full-on um, character in this Carson show. Carson Teva. It there yeah, it is. It. Thank you. That just came to my brain. That didn't even. I didn't even have to Google didn't that. Even Google machine it. Nice work. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you on the bounties, but where do like. That can't be an entire like. Do you think we're getting eight episodes of them just doing missile? Now, don't get me no, wrong. He's going to be doing that thing, Bad but how are doing their side stories of the week? Do you think we're really going to get eight eight episodes of Mando doing side stories? Well, I think what's going to happen is it's going to build, and that's how Thrawn. Well, that's that like that's how he's going to come into contact with Thrawn. Mm. Like gotcha. they're going like to they're going to realize that those... he's going to realize Sorry. something. Yeah. We've got to get back to yeah, those Mandos on Mandalore at some um, point, too, though. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's what's going to happen there. What'd you say? Sorry, Kyle, what'd you say? Well, they've got to get to those Mandalorians back on Mandalore at some point, too. We can't just stay with Din and leave that be. I can't imagine. Yeah, there's going to be multiple storylines going that, on. So. Yeah, there will have to be a good amount of time spent there as well. Gotcha. Um, you know, I think the only thing when I went back through and I watched this again for the umpteenth time, I did in that last scene when they're all standing around, and they relight the forge. I did catch um, uh, like a Mandalorian wearing like the night owl um, armor, but it had like the Boba Fett paint scheme to it. Hmm. Um, I'll I'll send you guys the picture, but. It was. I was actually pretty cool. I was like, I didn't notice that on the first like one. So the they're Night right Owl in the front style row. Helmet. Mm-hmm. Like the it's face it's a mask part. Fem- it's a yeah. It's a female character with like the the Bo Katan style yeah, armor. pointy eyes, whatever. Yes, yes. Um. So I didn't see that before, but I saw that and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's like <laughs> kind of a different take, but um, we know Mando will get his one or two episodes of the uh, Ahsoka show too, and that'll probably give us an idea what he's going to do. <laughs> oh, he gets a man. He gets, he gets to rob one from at least everybody, right? Oh, I mean, I'm I'm hoping it, that's not the case in the Ahsoka series, but it hasn't become a pattern yet. Ahsoka will make it a pattern. Right now, it only happened in the Boba Fett show. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Yep. They t- they kept talking about making this a whole universe, all interconnected. What if Boba Fett gets an episode during the Ahsoka series? <laughs> Payback. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> everybody from the last series that lost an episode gets one in the next one. No, I want him to show Ahsoka. up. I want him to show up after they've already found Ezra, right? And he's out there, and We're then Boba, and and then Boba shows up, and he's like, "I'm looking for Jabba the Hutt." <laughs> 
because <laughs> he's heard he's yeah, heard Jabba yeah, the Hutt runs yeah, with the Rebel was, crew. If uh, you didn't watch Rebels, you don't get that joke. Sorry, as for a deep cut, as they would say. Yeah, um, you lied to me. <laughs> I knew I liked you. I knew I liked you. <laughs> live action Hondo. Oh man. Oh god. Don't I even need live say action it. Hondo. Don't even please, say it. Please give me live action. Be the Hondo. greatest thing, and it better be voiced by Jim <sighs> Cummings too. He doesn't have to do the suit. That's fine, but he's got no voice. And that would be a great surprise in that show, right? Like mm. nothing mm, in the mm, trailers. Mm. Don't let it slip. Like he comes in in the episode and just surprises everybody. That's what I want. That's what I want to see. I'll be. He epic. does know Ahsoka. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on with uh, Mando episode eight, the season season finale, not the series finale, even though it did feel like a series finale. Are we good? Uh, I hear crickets. No, I, I was going to make like a gross <laughs> joke when you said, is there anything else you want to touch on? But no, I, uh, I'm good. I think we covered it all. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's. Hey, uh, look, we all saw Katie Sackhoff's interview. I'll leave it at that. Two <laughs> percent. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up and uh, close it up. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go That was our Mando Season 3 episode recap with the full crew this time, finally. It took us a while to get there, but uh, hey man, springtime is a busy time for everybody. So, happy to get on, finally talk that episode with you guys. Um, We've got a bunch of episodes that we should be dropping here pretty soon, so lots of... Lots of orb content for your listening pleasure. Um, anyway, get out there, like, subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts, anywhere you find us. Um, social medias, you can follow us, recommend us there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Outer and Beacon. Um, you can email us, OuterandBeacon at gmail.com. My name is Justin. You can find me on Twitter at I am the Bendu. I'm going to put that picture up that I saw of the Boba Fett armor because it was pretty dope. Um, where can they find you guys at? This is Josh. I am a John Williams one percenter and a Bo-Katan two percenter. <laughs> ah, I set you, you right can, up for that, baby. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Battle of Tanan. I don't know, like seventy percent are like super, super excited about Bo. You got twenty man, ten percent that are like I hated the whole thing. You know, you got five percent that you just hate Bo, and then you got two percent that want me to sit on their. <sighs> Uh, this is Kyle, and mad respect for both of those. I am KB underscore legend on all the social media. Uh, I'm hiking the Grand Canyon in September. Feel free to send me some money on Venmo. Same at. <laughs> I got a lot of shit to buy. <laughs> nice, nice. That'll be a fun adventure, though. You'll, yeah. you'll have fun doing that. It's beautiful out there. Mm, maybe. So. We'll see. Well, everybody, have a fun and safe Memorial Day weekend that's coming up this weekend. Nice long weekend. So um, get out. Enjoy that. Um, Be safe. Be smart. uh, But have fun. And uh, as I'll get out, do something Star Warsy while you're at it. And um, may the force be with you. Yeah, that's Star Warsy. Play the. You got to play the uh, the episode one parade music though when you're doing it. Like it's just not a celebration if you you don't. You hear those drums. Anyway, all right. May the force be with you. Always. Always.
Captain Grogu. Stop it. He gets a worse name every season. Hey, everybody, it's me, Caleb Doom. I'll catch you next week. I hope you like secretions. Take a little sip sip. Come, please. Take a little sip sip.